Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. We got a famous one in here today. We do. We have CZL like royalty in the <laughs> in the closet. We're we're thinking about like a plaque yeah. or maybe like a medal. Yes. Or trophy. Statue. trophy. Statue yes. would be great. Statue. Statue, oh, statue yeah. outside. Yeah. Because you know we're all about being obnoxious. Exactly. Right in the front yard. I Perfect. love it. It's fantastic. And so if you don't know what we're referring to, we have Miss Barrett Gargala back in the studio. She is our CZL royalty because of her story. Yes. And it made groundbreaking, I guess, influence within our community. It did. She is our um, most downloaded episode. So that is fantastic. Oh, and the fact that you have so many people that have been able to hear your story, learn from your story, and embrace your story, I just I love this for you because I know that it means a lot that you want to help people. And yeah. to know that you've helped over 1,800 people at this point is something that should be celebrated. So well done, my friend. Thank, well done. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. And we always knew, even if it's just the one, then that was yeah. what the message was there. But the fact that it's reached so many, like we are, our love for you will, yes. will always be so big. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful not to hide the story and just to help other people. So yeah. So this, the your most famous episode was about addiction. Mm-hmm. And today we wanted to bring you back in and talk about recovery mm-hmm. and what that looks like and we also had a special guest in yes. the studio with us today so tell us why the guest is why we tied this in because i think that because our listeners didn't listen to the previous one because barrett's dad was a huge part of yes it. so we have nick gargala joining us today um mm-hmm. who we also call papa g yes fantastic <laughs> and he has such an integral part of barrett's recovery story and one he was the backbone to your recovery but also one that kind of held your hand and mm-hmm. pushed you forward. Showed me the so, way. Showed you the way. And then loved you through addiction in every step. And a lot of it came from the fact that he struggled with recovery and addiction. And he knew exactly what you were going to go through and how you were going to go through. So he was able to show up for you every stage, knowing what you were going to get into before you even had a clue yep. what this was going to be like. So um, this is definitely a story that we're very happy to have a positive ending with mm-hmm. it but one that we are excited to hear like how this evolved and how you know, it's still evolving how this too. journey got started yeah yes yes <laughs> yeah look forward to it so yes. welcome yes thank welcome. you welcome. Thank i think you. our first parent yeah podcast. <gasps> this is our first i love that so it's only first i know this is yes. sick of it <laughs> okay so first let's talk about um nick a little bit so how what was your addiction kind of story and how long have you been evolving through your story I got uh, clean in um, 1985, and I was using dope for about 18 years. Mm-hmm. And my drug of choice was uh, amphetamines. So if, if I was around today, I'd probably be doing a lot of that crack and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and meth, and I'd be one of those heads. Um, <clears throat> and uh, after my dad died in, in uh, July, interestingly enough, I got clean in uh, August. So one month later, it's like um, my role in the family died when he died. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need to uh, continue to be, quote, the bad boy, unquote, which was my role. 
and uh, never looked back, uh, never relapsed, and have been clean ever since. That's, you know, 34 years ago. Wow. And uh, so the, the bad news is that Dad died, and the good news is that Dad died. Because yeah. I was uh, at the bottom of my addictions then, and I was uh, literally flirting with death to get high. That was the extent of the amount of chemicals I had to put in my body to feel <clears throat> nothing. <laughs> that was the intention um, that I know at the time, but somehow the drugs made me feel good in the beginning, but that had long, long left me, and it was just a maintenance for me on a daily basis. And uh, like I said, when, when Dad passed, uh, not, um, example, <laughs> if I may, um, when Dad died, we were in the hospital, me and my mom, and they, he was on a, uh, machines, and... Uh, Doc said, we're going to have to unplug them, and you get to choose. And then, you know, Mom and I, Mom made the decision to unplug them, and she stayed there, and I immediately drove home to his house, <clears throat> went into his jewelry box, and uh, took his gold chain that he used to wear around his neck, took it to the pawn shop, bought, a, you know, bought dope. So that was my life, and that was my relationship with uh, m my parents and um my integrity at the time, which was zip, because uh, um, whatever the drugs told me to do, I did. Wherever they told me to go, I went. And um, that's a very <laughs> snapshot <laughs> of my my bottom uh, and how it was uh, where I was at at a time in uh, July of 85. Wow. So July was kind of, it was moving into that rock bottom. Yep. And Barrett talks a little bit about her rock bottom. What did that look like? So when in August were you like, okay, this this has to end? Well, I, everybody had left me. You know, I had nothing left. Uh, when I say that, I mean, I had sold everything that I, was in my uh, apartment in, in Chicago at the time. I sold one of my two cats uh, just to buy dope. And I uh, was lay at the, laying on the couch. Um, wow. Uh and um, I remember seeing this at 2 in the morning. In those days, TV went off at 2, you know. And then I would lay there, just still wired, out of dope. Can't call a dope man too late. Uh, and it was just an ungodly, awful feeling in my body and in my soul and in my psyche. And um, I saw 1-800-COCAINE, and I called the number, and they referred me to a hospital in Chicago. And I went in and I told the woman what uh, how much dope I was doing. She said, "Well, Nick, we 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 certainly can't uh, allow you to come as outpatient based on how much uh, dope you're doing. So uh, you'll have to come inpatient for 28 days and it cost ten thousand dollars." <laughs> Did you think I put ten grand aside when yeah, I started? Yeah, yeah. You're like, no. You're if like, I, I already sold my cat. I don't have any more. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, right. well, I just have one no. cat left. <laughs> So she said, okay, I'll make a deal on that. She said, you come back in a week and do a, a urine drop, stay clean, and bring $1,500, uh, and I'll let you come as an uh, outpatient, you know, do a group. And I remember, I remember walking out of there like I remember the drive over here. That wow. Um, 34 years ago. It was a cold, cold day in Chicago. The wind was blowing. It was February at that time, and all the leaves were off the trees. And I remember looking around thinking, 
I knew I could get the $1,500 together because I was shoving that in my body, you know, more than that a week. And yet I knew once I had the money that I couldn't hold on to it because I would have to use. Well, I would, yeah, that I couldn't hold on to it. And so I realized at that time that I was going to die an addict. And really dying an addict didn't matter as much as living an addict. I couldn't do it anymore. Wow. And, um, my higher power saw fit to leave me out there for another six months to really get the lesson, and uh, God love it, and because uh, I sure did. I was surrendered when I got here, and uh, and I'm glad that uh, I was able to. Uh, and and also, I never went back to the hospital, by the way, and uh, I was able to really uh, get the impact of um, the desperation and the emptiness and loneliness and all that that addicts talk about at the end so uh that's that's another snapshot <laughs> i'll stop there <laughs> no, that's, so when you decided to to get help and um and you knew it was time to live instead of numb living mm. what what did you do did you seek uh narcotics anonymous or was, actually I, yeah. I called my sister god love her she's passed away uh but she um i said uh, i need help and it was um she found the treatment center in chicago was, uh, um, that i went to as as outpatient it was like for a buck you know one of those uh sliding scales and i had a slid all the way to the bottom <laughs> so i was a buck guy and um um it was a great place, you know. It was an old treatment center in the '60s. They used to, you know, have people wear signs like "Ask Me Why I Lie," they'd shave heads and stuff. Oh I mean, really hardcore recovery, which was just what I needed and looking for. And it was so it was refreshing to get the information to find the the way out. Mm -hmm. And they they told me, "Here's what you want to do," you know, and um, uh, and held me accountable and. Um, it was a great, great place. Uh, so my sister, to get back to your question, was the one that you know, um, you know, held my hand and and said, "Come on, let's 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 keep this. living." Yeah. So there were no community programs like AA or or narcotic or NA yet there, at that time. Right. I was not aware of that. So okay. I knew of AA, but I had never heard of NA. So I went to. The requirement at the, at the retreatment center was to go to three meetings a week. And so I started going to AA, and then I found myself in Cocaine Anonymous, and then I, you know, uh, finally ended up in Narcotics Anonymous because uh, it's all, you know, just about mind and mood altering substances and, and other addictions, not just one particular drug. So it fits for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you felt from that moment. You obviously have an addictive personality. So, what mm -hmm. were you able to replace your addiction with? It's great, great question. <laughs> um, so, it, it really is. Um, you know, instead of calling the dope man, I would call my sponsor. Mm -hmm. Instead of going and scoring, I would go to a meeting and get a fix there. You know, okay. that was a whole. It is a replacement in a way. You know, to to do that is. Um, um, I was still I was still out there, you know, using, but I was using stuff that was keeping me clean. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, listening. I was, you know, more than happy. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. 
And uh, so thank thank God for the people that I did meet at that time, my sponsors and and the programs. It was um, it was uh, I'm still sitting there. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's very powerful. Even yeah. that you said 34 years later, mm-hmm. it's still it still is it's still it's, in my body. It's right. still, still there. Yep. And you mentioned accountability. How <laughs> important was that through your recovery? Uh, you know. I, I had no idea what that was, so it was really important as far as keeping me. Just it's just to account. Did, did you go to your meetings? Did you do this? Have you worked your steps? Have, you know, these are all these questions that my sponsor would be, you know, uh, not holding my feet to the fire, but more just uh, nudging. Challenging. How bad do you want this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, challenging. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's really my choice. Mm-hmm. And then there's people I sponsor. It's the same game. You know, yeah. you get to choose. You right. Know? You can be here. Mm-hmm. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Yeah, you might, you, you may, you may, you may kill you. So it's really what you're up against. You know, I kind of see it as, um, you know, there's this demon that's, you know, standing right behind me that's, you know, kind of like a cartoon figure with big eye, eyeballs <laughs> bulging out and drool coming out of its, you know, fangs and just waiting for me to pick up again because it wants to kill me. Mm-hmm. That's its job in life. It's you know, and it comes with so much wisdom. I mean, this isn't something you know. We, I, as an addict, alcoholic, or anybody that has addictive stuff, we think use our best thinking to beat the demon, and uh, it comes with thousands of years of you know history yeah. and wisdom. So it's like pff, blow your ass away. You pick up, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and hope and hoping you do. Was there a point that you realized that you started to trust yourself? Because I feel like, it, you know, with a lot of people who have struggle with addiction, like they just, they're not able to trust themselves to make the right decision. So that's, it, you slide back into old patterns when you're like, well, I know what this feels like, so that I keep doing it. But was there a point where you're like, no, today I'm choosing me. Today I choose to trust myself. It's a great question. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'm thinking where, you know, where in the timeline that I, you know, really start, you know, turning, making the shift to mm-hmm. to feeling confident, not cocky, but confident yes. that I had uh, some kind of um, path to walk uh, and, and, and to stay, to stay clean. I, you know, I think that after I got married... Um, it was a big part of that, but as far as my tenacity, my own drive to stay clean, that was from day one. You mm-hmm. know, I really believe that. But, but to feel okay with, yeah, I, I got this, you know, and I never really got it. I'm still yeah. recovering, but uh, it was probably you know three, three, four years. You know, I used to go to meetings every day, mm-hmm. even when I got first got married. You know, it was like, sorry, I got to go. You know, yeah. and. Uh, so it became a time that finally I was able to, to ease off the gas pedal in recovery, mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, okay, I, I, I got it. Uh, I mean, I feel, yeah. yeah, I don't want to be, you know, it's funny, I'm over here editing myself thinking, don't get cocky here, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> you ain't got it yet, Jack. Demon's right there, you know, right behind me. So, uh, yeah, but I would say about that time frame for me, it took about three years before I really felt I could breathe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned that you got to a point where you're like, enough's enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know that, Barrett, that was kind of the same thing that you went through where you're like, I can't keep living this way. I don't want to do this anymore. You hit a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, and so when did recovery start for you? I, w- I mean, I would say 
So November 15th of 2017, it was the day that I said I, I surrender. And ever since then, I've chased my recovery with everything that I have. Um, and, you know, volunteer and service work and sponsorship and all of those things. And it's interesting, you know, two years later, I just got um, two years clean and I went to do something the other day. And a consequence of my addiction still is with me. And it was like, whoa, I mean, it's still it's still here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are still talking about it and people are still there's still consequences for my actions two years later. So uh, it doesn't matter um, what I think it's I do what they tell me to do. So mm -hmm. I go to the meetings, I volunteer, I continue to do my step work, do my own work. and and um, really try to put on blinders to what others think, say, all of those things Yeah, that aren't in recovery. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's hard to understand that, oh, sure. that brain. Because it is, uh, it's all or nothing kind of thinking at all times. Mm -hmm. There so. was um, Brene Brown quotes, is it the Teddy Roosevelt, like the man mm -hmm. in the arena, mm -hmm. where if you're not in the arena and getting your ass kicked all the time and, you know, hitting rock bottom, then you're just not interested in anyone else's opinion about yeah. it. So if you're not showing up, right. then your words mean nothing to me. And I, yeah. Yeah. So I, I also wanted to talk about like one of your most famous quotes from the podcast. You said you could have put me in a steel box <laughs> and I still would have been an addict. And that was very powerful because the, you knew that the, basically this path would have, your path would have led you here. Did you see that, Papa G, at very, like, at some point that you kind of knew that your daughter might be on this path? Or when <clears throat> did you maybe see that this might be in her? In her uh, high school slash college years, I, I saw alcohol start to appear. And um, uh, in my own um, denial, even knowing having just a, a, a plethora of information around addiction, still thought, well, you know, it's her age, and she, I'd be worried if she wasn't doing that kind of stuff, you know. Um, um, say the question again. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think, what signs did you see? Did you think that she had this, well, or did you maybe think... Man, I I missed the mark. Or yeah, okay, that's what I was I guess trying to say is I saw the signs and I went right through the signs. You know, I didn't stop at the stop sign. I didn't. <laughs> I just kept going because um, my belief was is that my both my uh, daughters with my current wife have seen me in recovery, and I assume through osmosis or through going to meetings with me and even from the you know small age. They, they'd have that instilled in them or, you know, installed in some way. Uh, so I, that's kind of what I, I made up that story for myself about them, you know. that They'll be, be fine they'll because be okay. yeah. they'll yeah. see me and they'll know the importance of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So then obviously Barrett's story changed a little bit and mm -hmm. she had to go through addiction. When did you know? that she was battling something, her demons. Mm. Well, it, it, it's in retrospect. <laughs> it's like um, there was, um, I'd say, the tail end of her college years. Uh, it, that's when I saw a lot of partying, a lot of, you know, blowing off of the responsibilities. And, um, um, and I, I think that would be, 
the time that maybe I could have been a more of an intervention for her. Uh, but I chose, and I didn't, I didn't, I said nothing. So like all parents, we, I want to, I want to uh, allow them, my daughters to, I, I have them err on the side of, you know, what's correct or what's, you know, accountable and integrity and so forth. Cause I like to believe that, um, our values have been installed, or both mine and my wife's, by that age, and and then everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, addiction, I don't give a damn about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had yeah. the values, and I yeah. I do now. But mm-hmm. the minute a substance is in my body, those values are shit. Mm-hmm. They don't matter, nor do they even register. Um, so they're they're there, and I use them today. <laughs> and they were there when I was younger, but the minute that I started started experimenting, it was almost like something went off in my brain. Like I, I could I couldn't stop. The train had, was going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we call that the cow left the barn oh. in my house. Oh. <laughs> Cows out of the barn. Yeah, right. can't put it back <laughs> yeah, in. That's right. You're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is something like you're. Again, you're still in recovery, and every day you show up for yourself. Like, what are the are there just moments where it just it gets really hard, and like, are there times where it gets triggered of, like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so my drug of choice was uh, Adderall. I don't know if I said that last time. I was yeah, on the, yeah. So the other day, I was having a conversation with someone, and they were just talking, and they leaned over to their purse, and they opened up their purse, and they dumped out. Adderall pills into their hand to take one. And I thought, oh God, oh God, oh, oh no, don't do that. And I I immediately, I even said out loud, I turned to Elle, my girlfriend, and I was like, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. <laughs> and so I called my sponsor. And um, but yeah, little things like that. Um, I got really upset when I heard um I heard last week that there was some like talk of things that had happened when I was using and it hurt. Um and all I can do is do the next right thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did some awful shit when I was using. I was an awful human when I was using. Um, and I'm not that person. Why and, did that hurt? Um, because I've done so much work to, to change. And I'm not that person anymore. So for someone to report that about me, it was like, oh, but that's not me now. Right. Um, and that's okay. That did ha- it was fact. It did happen, and it doesn't have to happen anymore. Right. So yeah, and that's very human feelings. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like that, it's just basically a lack of validation. Like, do you see the work I'm putting in now? And a lack of empathy, saying, "Well, yeah, I made a mistake, but can't you see where I was going through?" Mm-hmm. And you're, but it's not their job to give that to you. No. Only you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do different. And when my mother died after I was clean for I don't know ten or fifteen years, is uh, I was there for her and uh, held her hand during her last breath, and um, all of her jewelry stayed in her jewelry box. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you, you right. can change, and it is mm-hmm. different. Even though I still feel like Ugh, about that dad's necklace, but. I don't do that anymore. So I've atoned for that in the way that I am today. Right. And, 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 and I got keep reminding myself that I'm a good person. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is for me is about like living amends, making amends just by the way that I live my life now. And that's why I do give back. And that's why I do a lot of service and uh, have really 
change the way that I give back to the community mm-hmm. so that I can make that amends every day sure. just in the way I live. Do you think that you'll ever be okay with your amendment process? Then, then there'll be a stop to it. Like I've, I'm done. Like I've, I've, I've hit this and I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I think that there are checks of like, okay, I, you know, I, I wronged this person and I'm going to make it right. And you know, then I feel good about that. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to keep staying vigilant to always doing the next right thing. Um, you know, even when I got clean two years ago, dad went to meetings with me every single day. Like mm-hmm. there's no reason not to go to a meeting there's. And so even with 34 years, I'll still go to meetings. Yeah. And I'll still do the next right thing. There was a point in your previous podcast where you talked about going to your first meeting and you were trying to get in touch with your dad and you couldn't do it. And it was heartbreaking. And you're like, I just want to talk to my dad. And you come out of that meeting and you see your dad. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you were going through. I've never heard this either. Oh. <laughs> mm. So it, it brings tears to my eyes. Um, I, I, there's a part of me that, because it's in line with the questions that you had before, is that part of me knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even a surprise. It was like, ooh, okay, okay. She's at a meeting. This a, a good friend of her called and mm-hmm. told me. And she needs help. And, uh. Yeah, I know where I know where to go. I know how to get you out of here. And uh, as a father, I need to, to catch her when she falls. Mm-hmm. So she was falling. Yeah. But you caught her. You did. I remember sitting out there waiting for her to come out of the meeting, and who? Um, just grateful that I did know the, uh, the way out. <laughs> And also, uh, was she ready to do the work to, to get to get out, or was she going to end up in a box? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, golly, so thank God for the program. Thank God for your tenacity to stay in a game, because uh, um, you're doing great. Proud of you. Thanks, Dad. Oh. And if you need a tissue break right now, <laughs> go right ahead. Take it. We might. Have. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I mean, we both have children and, you know, this is definitely something that, you know, you, you snapping this now to look at, you know, 10 years from now. And mm. it's like, man, as a parent, you look at your kids and you just want the best for them, but you also understand they have to fall down. They have to scrape their knees. They have to go to recovery. Mm-hmm. But it's also that like, oh shit moment of like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we're here and my job to you isn't to you know, to Shame. judge you for this, it's to be supportive. It's what, how do you need me to show up? And even she might not even know how she needs you to show up, but you did. And everything mm. that you've done has helped her get to where she is now. And I mean, I can only imagine how thankful you are for your dad for that, yeah. but to be so blessed to have a father who's been through it, who understands and knows the next right thing to help you to do. Yeah. You know? Well, and you know, a big part of the story is that too, like there are two other people in your life that don't struggle with addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how can you tell those people that are not struggling with addiction but know somebody how to help and how to mm. talk to them about it or um, they're going through recovery, more mm-hmm. or less? Because you had a word for it. You're like, they're not um, Oh, they're not one they're, of us or something. Yeah, they're, they're not one of us. They're normal. <laughs> they're normal. They're normal. Yeah. They're normal. Yeah. <laughs> they're normal. yeah. <laughs> like my sister can have a glass of wine. Like I said, I think that last time, my mom has a glass of wine at night and I'm like, oh. 
I just don't have that stop, but that off switch. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't drink. I don't have the off switch. Um, I, don't, I don't even understand that. <laughs> yeah. What would you say? I think that I know a lot of people that go to Al-Anon. So to learn about how to support someone and also how to support themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's George. Yeah, sorry, Georgie is addicted to chasing the UPS truck, <laughs> which she's... She does a good job. Well, see, yeah, it's the Christmas job. season, yeah. and so right. there's lots of Amazon love around here. Yeah, <laughs> so it's crazy. Georgie's well heard. Yeah. Um, for people that are going through recovery, and you've got someone that's supporting them, what are some things that you want people to know that are okay to say? And then what are some things you're like, you know what, stop saying this. Like, this mm. doesn't help. When you say this, it makes me want to, like, punch you in the face. Or like, <laughs> What are what are the things on both sides of that scale? Uh, one of the, it's interesting. I have a hearing aids on, and they, my phone's ringing and plays in my ear, oh. Oh. so it may show up on the podcast. Um, can you hear it? No, no. Oh, we yeah. hear George. Very good. Yeah, I we guess, just hear Georgie. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is it still ringing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, no, wait, I can you, go. You take this one and then he'll yeah. come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. Um, so I think the important thing that uh, we've always said to both of our children is uh, you can always come home. This isn't one of these. Th- uh, I'm not from that place that, you know, once you're out, you're out, you know, or, yeah. you know, don't let the door hit you in the bar. So, you know, I think that that's really dysfunctional and uh, unloving. So uh, I when I met her in the parking lot after the meeting and had my arms open, uh, it was, um, you know, come on home. It's okay. You can come. You, you, you gotta. You can come here and rest and find respite and um, lick your wounds and uh, you know and we'll, we'll, we'll get you out. Of, we'll get you in the right place. Um, so, so there's a difference in 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 um, caretaking or caregiving. So caretaking is me doing the work for her and doing, not even giving her the opportunity to do it, and that's dysfunctional. But I can give her care, and it's a fine line. It's just being mindful of that, that I don't try and do her program. I don't tell her what to do. Uh, I can, I can, you know, ask if she's open to some feedback and give her some suggestions about recovery that worked for me, mm-hmm. and and allow her to make choices. So. That would be the advice for those non one of us is, is, you know, you can't fix this. You didn't cure it. You you know, you didn't cause it. Right. Those are the three C's. You just got to know that this is all her addiction and her disease. Her, you know, this is going to be her battle. And we can, can give her space and a place to live and things like that. But we can't, you know, I can't go to the meeting for her. I yeah. can't call her a sponsor. <laughs> her, that's her job. So some of some of it for me is also, I think, because I don't know, maybe because I'm younger, I'm not sure. But, you know, I I still want to go to a Christmas party. And last year, Christmas parties were a lot harder for me Mm -hmm. Um, because no matter what, if someone, you know, there's drinking, people are partying, you know, um, and now with I think like people smoking and like dueling different substances. It's like it's right inside the house at all times. And um, so 
last year was a lot harder for me to go to parties and I still want to see people. And also at a certain point of the night, it's like, oh, it's time for me to go home. Yeah. You know, and I think just having like an understanding that it's I have to take care of myself because if not, I, if I go back, I'll die. Right. I will die. Um, so just understanding that, I think that questions wise, I, for me, and this, I think this is for, for each person to decide on their own, but I'm down to tell you anything you, I'd also ask you anything in the world, yeah. but, um, <laughs> so if someone wants, has questions, I'm like, yeah, come on. Like I would tell you anything about myself. I don't know if everybody else is like that. So, mm-hmm. um, there are no questions or sayings that I think everybody's doing the best they can to like support me. And and sometimes people don't get it. And they're like, what, what does that even mean? So I'll explain something to them. I'm, mm. I'm good with that. Yeah. I, I think that's always been <clears throat> one of my favorite things about you. Like you, you're, you really are an open book. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, oh, wow. Okay. We, we're here now. <laughs> we got to chapter 27 real fast. Real quick. Like, <laughs> real quick. But, but also, I love it. I, I do love too. that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it hate does. small talk. Yes. But you also are very you're very good about allowing space for people to process that. It's not like I'm going to shove all this in front of you and you're like, so what do you think? So you've done a great job with that. And I think it's, um, thank you. You're yeah. And, and you do a really great job of allowing people to be honest with their mm-hmm. feedback. So, which is also nice because yeah. some people can put a lot of things out there and they're like, wait a minute, you don't get mm-hmm. to talk to me that way. I'm like, well, yeah. wait, you gave me the, you the, said, <laughs> gave me the green light. What happened? Yeah. So mm-hmm. thank you for your honesty. So how does your relationship look now, two years later with recovery? How has it, has it changed? Is it better? Is it more open? <laughs> Is it better? <laughs> I mean, I've, I would say I've always been super close with my dad. I've always been super close with my whole family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something that he'll always understand me on a different level is when it comes to addiction and when it comes to the process and what I'm going through. And my sister and my mom are still so patient and so amazing. So, yeah, we've always been close. It just looks a little different now. But, I mean, we still do the same things that we, you know, enjoy doing. And he lets me put face masks on him like I used to do when I was a kid. I love that. You know, but we'll also... wouldn't love that? Yeah, no. Yeah, you need this. Right? Yes. And we'll go to the shooting range or whatever it may be. You know, we we still spend a lot of time together. And that's the a blessing I've gotten in recovery is when I was at my rock bottom, um, I I didn't go around my parents as much because I was using so heavily. I was like, oh, they'll either know or... You know, they'll see it or whatever it may be. So uh, now that I'm clean, I get to spend a lot more time with them and enjoy more time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really I love that. And Dad and I have the same home group. So we, you know, I go to a lot of meetings and um, I'm also our area serve part of our area service now. And, you know, Dad still goes with me on Friday nights to our meeting. And so we get to share that. Yeah. We're, um, have you been able to share this outside of like a local group or when I say this, like your story? I would say that this podcast and telling my story has been huge um, and probably the biggest way I've been able to share uh, dad and I plan on. So there's conventions and there are you can become a speaker and share your story. Mm-hmm. So dad and I are working on a little um, joint share so that we can, you know, hit the road and talk about how our stories are similar and how our stories are different and then how they come together at the end. Yeah. So 
It's a great story. That is a great Mm -hmm. story. Yeah, my daddy was an addict. Okay. My daddy was an addict. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your dad was an addict, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I don't know further back, but I'm sure there's all kinds of addiction that run rapid. Mm -hmm. uh, Because... uh, Uncle was, you know, his brother was an, was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and yeah, so there's, uh, I definitely got the gene, mm-hmm. and uh, said, so here you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this is a question I guess both of you can answer. Like, what was it that you were chasing to avoid? Like, the, the thing that made you run towards whatever was going to numb, like, what were you trying to silence? Um, any feeling, period. Any, okay. Period. You know, uh, that I, I didn't care if it was joy, I didn't care if it was sadness, it was anger, it was, it was I had no um, emotional intelligence. And mm-hmm. uh, so, therefore, when I had a feeling that just made me, I found a way not to do that. And that was, then I had a, a physical sensation that could replace it that felt good. Okay. And uh, so it was about numbing myself, numbing my feelings. Numbing the history of the dysfunction that I came out of, also, and I'm not put placing blame. I'm just saying that it makes all kinds of sense for me when I look back at yeah. it that I was looking to to get out, and plus having the the genetic predisposition. Once I put chemicals in me, I was you know off and running. Mm-hmm. Was your dad ever sober, or did you ever see him sober? No. No, I saw uh, dad was. Uh, and when he had a heart condition, and he died of heart disease um, in his 60s, and he was told not to drink any alcohol, so we'd go pick up, like, you know, Chinese food or something, you know, together, and he'd uh, run to the bar and get, you know, two quick shots, you know. And, mm. and, I, I, and at that time, it was like, that was just normal to me. That was my conditioning, is, you know, do pretty much whatever the hell you want, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to your body. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, I never saw him, I never saw him clean. Mm-hmm. And then, Barrett, what were, what were you trying to avoid? So, for me, I used a stimulant because I wanted to be Superwoman. It wasn't about avoiding. Um, I had a, <clears throat> and that's what I, I jokingly say, but it's true. Like, I had the best childhood. I have the best family. I, I, my kind of mindset was like more, 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 more. So, you know, when using a stimulant, you don't have to eat, you don't have to sleep, you don't have to. So I could be superwoman. I could do, you know, 80 hours of work, you know, in a, in a 40 hour work week, you know, and I could do all of these things to an extreme. Mm-hmm. And that was really where I got my like, this is awesome. Um, and so that works for a while. And then it, and then it didn't, you know, and then, and then I had to use, cause if I didn't, I, you know, I couldn't function and then, and then it just used me. Yeah. So. Very different, but kind of mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. still wanted, you're still chasing something. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But it really caught you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the end, I think that that's what addiction, you know, everybody finds is like you use it in the beginning cause you love it. And then in the end. It uses you. Yeah. So. A game of tag, you're never going to win. Nope. Nope. <laughs> right. You will not win that game. It's <laughs> great. Well, that's definitely great to hear that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel for somebody that might be listening to this that doesn't know, like, is this ever going to get better? 
Yes. Like, what would yeah. you say to someone who's going through a really dark time and like, th- what what were some things that maybe you heard or you kept going back to yourself that you're like, okay, this is what's going to get me to do the next right mm-hmm. thing. Um, so yeah, there's a way out. You know, I didn't know that. I just was laying on that couch at night and <laughs> waiting for morning so I'd get more dope, you know. I didn't, I, even if I wanted to stop, I didn't know. So this is a wonderful thing that you're doing, and is that is it gets information out there. Even though I think that the world of recovery, because I live in it, is so prevalent, it's, for some people, it ain't. Mm-hmm. It's not. So um, there's a way out, and it's um, <clears throat> simple, not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Programs, yeah. um, twelve steps, and it's free. You know, it, there's no cost to this. You don't mm-hmm. have to go to treatment. You don't have to do. Um, you, you just get help, and it's about asking and making that step towards the light instead of staying in the dark. And those are all. Choices that we get to make, we feel as though we have no choice with the, at the bottom, right. and really, it's it's that close. You know, it's bottom, and then jails, institutions, or death. Mm-hmm. That's it. But there's another choice. There's another choice out there, and um, you can look it up in online, or you can ask some other recovering person. You know, help me. Tough words to say. Mm-hmm. When you think that, you know, you got it, you don't. Yeah. So, People always want to help, too. Hmm? When you say help me. Yeah. It's yeah. powerful words, but yep. I think it has the best response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually did right. get quite a few people that reached out to me after the first podcast and said, hey, I have XYZ problem or I, I'm a gambling addict or I'm whatever. What do I do? Uh, I can't tell you what to do. All I can tell you is, one, you have to have the desire. You can't get clean for someone else. You can't, you know, stop drinking because, you know, your mom wants you to or your wife wants you to or whatever. You have to actually want to do it. Uh, And then just go to a meeting. All you have to do is show up Um, and and hold on tight. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we have really enjoyed you guys coming on today and opening up and sharing so much about your journey. And we really hope that our listeners will hear this and, you know, hopefully it will make an impact, a little spark for somebody. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Thank well, you. Quickly, how yeah. do people find you, Barrett, if they want to locate you? Oh, um, I am on Instagram. So uh, it's just at B Gargala, G-A-R-G-A-L-A. And I'm happy to answer questions. I can't. I can't get you clean. I can't get you sober, but I'm happy to, you know, point you in the right direction. And uh, I'm happy to answer questions too. You know, if someone, you know, has a, someone in their family that is struggling. Yeah, I can, uh, I can access, just like yeah. you said, I'm an open book. I'll answer anything. <laughs> to the best of your ability. <laughs> to the best of my ability. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Well, all right. Yep. Yeah. See uh, you next time, guys. All right. All right. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.